0: Don't get me started on the vision statement. I think the vision statement is probably one of the most damaging concepts in business thinking. I'm not saying that the vision is damaging. I'm saying the concept of a vision statement, a trite one-liner that is so uninspirational and probably an ego statement, is incredibly damaging to a business because it makes the entrepreneur lazy, lazy about their future, lazy about communicating the future of their business. There is a great piece of research done by a professor, Mark Lippman, which shows that businesses with a more elaborate vision have got a higher probability of success. And when you think about that, you ask the question, why? Why is having a vision so important and notice i'm not saying a vision statement why is having a vision so important but more importantly having that vision close at hand and revisiting that vision time and time again throughout the year is equally important for your success most of the vision statements are 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 these one or two liners that sit on your website and might be used in the induction of your employees and then forgotten But successful entrepreneurs are very very conscious of what they are trying to achieve. They are also very conscious of where they are at the moment and the dissonance between where they want to be and where they are creates the gravity towards the future. An elaborate vision will quite literally pull you toward it. It will highlight the difference between where you are and where you want to be and That will create a level of anxiety, a level of dissatisfaction in your present situation, which will propel you towards that vision. The more often you visit that vision, the higher the level of gravity pulling you towards that vision.
1: I love that visual, the undeniable and ever-present force of gravity drawing you in and, extending it a little bit further, the very force that makes it possible to create movement and build up momentum. I'm Gareth Armstrong and this is a Razor's Edge podcast.
0: Successful businesses are incredibly deliberate about vision and incredibly deliberate about communicating that vision throughout the organization in different ways. Now I want to perhaps provide you with a construct in order to deliver that vision into the business. But before I do that, I just want to once again take a pot shot at this thing called a vision statement. If you look at your vision statement, go on to most websites, especially of small businesses, and they will put their vision statement up on their website. I spoke about it earlier being an ego statement. And what I mean by that is that what these so-called vision statements generally say is we want to be the most recognized, the most this, the most that. These are all ego statements. There is no way after somebody reads your vision statement that is a one-liner that they are able to know exactly what you are trying to achieve into the future.
1: It's a tough pill to swallow but also essential to recognize. Why? The rest of this podcast is going to be used to answer this, but let me share that from the very next explanation Elon offers here, we will begin to realize how powerful and important a review of your and my vision and vision statement can be. This series is all about learning from the lessons of others, and Alon Reyes, CEO of Reyes Corp., has made the mistake of slapping an ego-driven vision statement on a wall enough times over the last 20 years to have worked out a better way. Let's rejoin him now as he gives us insight into what he has learned.
0: So let's come back to the construct of how you deliver the vision. I'm going to break it down into three time frames the one-year time frame, the five-year time frame, and the 10 to 20-year time frame. The best way to represent a one-year vision is actually financially, and that we call a budget. If you are able to understand that a budget is actually a vision statement for the next year, you will be able to read it as such. In other words, you will be able to see under the staff salaries column or, or row, you will be able to see the fact that the salaries go up in certain stages, which is communicating that there are more staff in the business. You could break that down further and break it down into the types of salaries and show when during the year those salaries are going to become effective. So you're communicating, therefore, to anyone who's looking at the financials, including and most importantly yourself, that this is when you intend to do something in the future. Perhaps you're moving into bigger premises, so your rent will go up. That will be communicated in the expenses row of your rent. So when you are producing your budget for the next 12 months, you are effectively predicting what you're going to be doing in the next 12 months, which is effectively the vision for the next 12 months.
1: Okay, so is that how you have viewed and used your budget as a one-year vision development tool? I love how doing this makes the next step so clear and places the commitment directly next to financial requirements. This really means that we are able to plan and execute so much more effectively.
0: The five-year time frame, in my opinion, is best communicated through what I call the LFF letter from the future. This is a technique where you write a letter from the future, five years hence, backward and reflect on what's happened over the past five years. Right now, as I'm doing the podcast, we are in 2022. So if I were writing a letter from the future, I would write it from 2027. I would write it to somebody I care about. In my instance, it would be to my wife. I've had members of my team write to their dogs. It doesn't really matter who you write it to. So the time frame now is 2027. I'm writing to my wife and I'm explaining to her what's happened in detail over the last five years. And in that letter from the future, I talk about the organization as a whole. I talk about the different divisions and how they have evolved over the last five years. I talk about the different departments and how they have evolved over the last five years. But what's very important is to ensure that your vision is co-created by your heads of department. I cannot emphasize that enough and so part of the LFF process the letter from the future process is to ensure that every head of department is able to write their own letter from the future around their department and so what you are effectively trying to ensure is that your heads of department are envisioning how they see their departments evolving over the next five years but they are always informed beforehand my letter from the future so that there is no conflict there is dovetailing between their vision and my vision if there is conflict and sometimes there is if they are wanting to take the department in a certain direction and i want to take it into another then there is a mechanism by which we sit down and go through the differences in our vision and then try and find a common way forward where we include both perspectives or if one perspective is a better way then the other one will submit and it does not have to be you as founder and CEO that wins. In fact more times than not I will submit to my head of department because they are closer to that department than I am. They are closer to that speciality than I am. That letter from the future is now communicated every quarter to the department. So there is a concept called 12 plus one. So every 13th week, the letter from the future for that department is then communicated to that whole department. So each department has got the opportunity to hear the vision for that particular department every single quarter.
1: Early on in my career, I was given the opportunity to work in a variety of different large organizations as part of a consulting team time and again the biggest issue we would see is that poor communication was behind the poor performance we had been tasked with diagnosing. As you consider your own experiences I'm certain that you will have a story or three to tell about exactly this. Can you see the benefits of a LFF a letter from the future?
0: Let's come back to my LFF your LFF. The problem with just having a letter from the future as a document and by the way my my lff sits at 36 pages long right now the problem with that is that it can quite easily just become a document that collects dust in the, your top drawer or bottom drawer so what's very very important is you operationalize that vision and so as part of the discipline of actually creating vision into reality i drive my heads of department to create what I call strategic objectives or SOs out of my LFF for that year and say this is what they are going to actually create as a result of that letter from the future. So we would literally highlight within that document lines or sentences where I have elaborated what I want in detail and then they would then scope that in terms of making that a reality. They would scope it in terms of the budget required to make that a reality, they would scope it in terms of the headcount, they would scope it in terms of the risks, they would scope it in every which way possible and then present that back to me and the rest of my exco in terms of how they can bring to reality the words that were in this vision document.
1: And suddenly it is apparent just how important our vision actually is and how useless so many vision documents and vision statements currently are but wait
0: there's more so let's look at the construct of the timing and how that is is structured i think it's important before i talk about my structure to emphasize that this is just my structure and you would need to make this your own but i'm just going to share with you my structure my structure is that Business partner and I go away every year in October. Prior to going away, I have completed my letter from the future and distributed that to him. He will make comments on that, highlight things that he might or might not agree with. In other words, that letter from the future is also taking into consideration my business partner and if you have a business partner or more, their inputs as well. Now, the question might be that why don't you both write it? And that is a possibility. But in my experience, when you are both writing two separate letters from the future, it becomes way more complex. And so there needs to be one dominant letter from the future that's coming from the top of the organization. Now, if your partner happens to be a better visionary than you, I would then submit to them to write the LFF. However, if you are more of a visionary than your partner, then it's your responsibility. So now my partner and I have agreed. We then submit that to our heads of department. They get that effectively three to four weeks before I meet with my heads of department for three days, where we start setting up the strategy for the following year. That normally happens in about mid-November. Now we are set for the year, and now we start the year in quarters where we would start every quarter understanding what needs to be achieved based on those two letters from the future.
1: Do you see the mechanisms at play that Alon is using to get the very best out of his team? It stands to reason that this is what we all should be doing, especially because of the time and effort that went into finding and training those we are entrusting these leadership and management roles to. I can say for certain that I have not heard or seen a focus on vision result in such operational clarity before. So far we have discussed our one year and five year visions. There's one more phase to go.
0: Now let's finally move on to the 10 to 20 year vision. The 10 to 20 year vision is ideally a visual representation of the future. So if you walk into a Corp today, if you walk in and look at in the reception, there is an illustration of what Rosecorp looks like into the future. It's a building. There's a statue. The statue has got a, a, a meaning. There's detail around the fact that there's actually, in our vision, a swimming pool. In that vision, there's a full-on visual representation of what Rose Corp will be into the future what does the sales department look like what does the studio look like what does the selection department look like what does the finance department actually look like what are they doing what are, th- what are they required to do for the whole organization on a monthly basis there are even departments that don't exist today such as a legal department that doesn't exist today that would exist into the future so when in the future where are we going to place them in, in our building or buildings I then take that and then extrapolate that into the detail around that so in the document that i present to my exco when we go away in november that vision will be broken down into the numbers it'll be broken down into the numbers for 2023 2024 2025. so as an example i might look at the revenues coming from a particular division I might look at the number of salespeople that I expect to have in that division. I will look at the capabilities that I need to achieve into the future. I'll look at everything for that actual division to need to create on a year-by-year basis until that vision has been actualized. And then literally year-by-year, we work towards that. What you will see is that year-on-year, as you revisit that long-term vision, is that there are minor modifications to that long-term vision. There are minor modifications to the visual. There are minor modifications to the capabilities. And you're allowed to do that. But the one thing that I implore you not to do is to zigzag. Do not take your whole organization in one direction in January of this year and in a completely different direction in January of the next year. Somehow, entrepreneurs have this deep need to come back from a December holiday and rah-rah their team in a completely different direction. All you see is eyes rolling and the very next day, everything's back to as it was. The only person who got excited from that was you. Try and keep consistent. All the research shows that visions that are consistent, where you keep digging the groove into a certain direction have a higher probability of success.
1: How detailed is your 20-year vision? Have you created something you can see and possibly even touch as opposed to it just sitting in your head? Does this vision help you to avoid wandering all over the place and taking your organization with you? Here's Alon talking us through the way he sees a 20 year vision developing and remember 20 years needs to roll back into a five-year vision, which needs to roll back into a one-year vision.
0: Let's just make this real in terms of how you bring a vision into reality. So the first thing is you have to look into the future and let's take Inspire Studios as the the vision. Inspire Studios is this vision that sometime into the future there'll be a division within Rose Corp that is producing entrepreneurial content. That content will be so good that it will be distributed through media agencies across the world such as BBC, etc. We will be known globally as the producers of high quality, highly authentic entrepreneurial content. So how do you get there? You have to start somewhere. So you start off with a little studio. So you take a little office and you put some vinyl on the windows and you call it Inspire Studios, and you put a carpet outside because you don't want the crickety-clack of people walking past as you're filming. You buy a little bit of equipment. You start to film. You need somebody who's going to run that. In the beginning, they might be outsourced. Then you build a much bigger studio. You buy a whole bunch more equipment. You now start to fill that with people who are full-time. You then start to think, well, we need more studio space. So you find other studio space. You start to film what in the my world is called pitch and polish, which now has over 6 million views in that studio, 3.5 million views in its second season. And so you feel even more inspired. So how can we make more of such product? And so you come up with a new product and now you realize that your studio space is not big enough for that. So now you're going to have to perhaps rent a bigger studio at some point in the future it won't make sense to rent the studio because you've got a third and fourth and fifth product going through that actual studio so now you have to buy a building with a proper world-class studio and so step by step you go from I want to build the capability to create entrepreneurial content into a world-class studio it starts at one point ends in another And you have to effectively step-by-step that over a 10-year period. Now, of course, you're not going to get the whole thing right. And of course, you're going to have inputs on the way. Technology will change. People will change. The way people consume will change. And you have to adapt to those things. But all in all, you have to start with the end in mind. And so why? The important thing is why do we want to create entrepreneurial content? That's the starting point because it just can't be that you just want to create the stuff. There has to be a reason and you have to be very close to that reason. And the reason why we want entrepreneurial content is because we're watching the way that people consume information and see that people are consuming information not by reading anymore, but by watching. And people want to be entertained and educated at the same time. They want it interesting. And today we have the technology to do that. And so when you look at the visual representation of Cup into the Future, in there lies a building with a studio. Today, I'm sitting in the second iteration of a studio right now, producing this podcast. In five years' time, I'll be sitting in that studio, in that building. If you're going to become a successful entrepreneur, you've got to take your vision seriously. It has to be one of the most important tools that you use not only to keep yourself inspired, but to keep your team inspired and aligned to what they are doing when they come to work every single day.
1: Head over to racecorp.com where you'll find similar resources to this one and also the opportunity to sign up for notifications to stay updated on new releases. In addition to this, Follow RaceCorp on your favourite social media platforms where you'll find additional updates about this podcast series and others we are producing. My name is Gareth Armstrong and I'll see you in the next lesson.